Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can follow me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also follow me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. My name is Alessandro Maniscalco, and together with Sam Otten, we analyze the Warner Brothers films that are part of the Justice League universe on the Justice League Universe podcast. You can find us on Twitter at JLU Podcast. Currently, we are wrapping up Batman v Superman, so I encourage you all to check us out. And I just want to say thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, welcome aboard. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about Minute 51 of Man, Man of Steel, and it starts with Cal uh, struggling to fly. Now, I guess he already knows he has the ability to fly, but he's having some trouble with it. Controlling it and such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the minute ends with Cal uh, basically readying him, himself up to fly again. Um, so it seems a little strange minute by minute, but this whole scene, uh, when you watch it is a magnificent, magnificent part of the film, in my opinion. What do you, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, uh, like I was, I was telling you a little bit ago that, um, the flight scene is, it's very powerful. It's supposed to, you know, I think it's like the part of the movie that you're supposed to actually feel, okay, this is Superman. And I mean, all of these in general are just really good. And um, I like that they did add him falling out of the sky instead of just, you know, him being able to fly. And then, oh, yeah, cool, he flies. He's got those powers down. Awesome. No, I mean, he struggles with it. He, he falls out of the sky like a like a rock. Yeah, just like <laughs> it crashes through the mountain in this minute. Yeah. Which is uh... sort of like a bird learning to fly for the first time. There you mm-hmm. go. Analogies. <laughs> Perfect. Um <laughs> But yeah, but I like how Henry Cavill's acting really comes through in this scene, you know. And I think a lot of the acting that he's he's done, uh, you know, in the DC cinematic universe so far has really been expressive in his facial gestures and, you know, maybe not a lot of dialogue per se, uh, but I think you know a lot of his acting comes through in other forms, especially in scenes like this where you know you could see his facial acting and. That's probably one of the harder forms of acting, you know, saying a few lines a certain way, you know, you can be learned pretty easily. But to, to be able to control your, your face like that, I think he, he does a great job at expressing the emotions that he's going through in this scene. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're put up against a green screen and you have no idea what's going on around you and well, you just have to you have to figure it out. I mean, it, it, you can, yeah, you can definitely see, especially when he's falling out of the sky, it's like... He's worried. He's like, oh, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. Right. Uh, it, we've said it before um, a few minutes ago that his facial expressions are are one of the better features of Henry Cavill's Superman. It's just amazing. Yeah, I like that you said that the facial expressions are a little bit more uh, important, like when delivering lines. It's because isn't that the same as in real life where? The non the nonverbal is more. We communicate more nonverbally than we do verbally, actually. Yeah. So sure. it's sure. important for an actor to uh, have those uh, nonverbal cues in, in the way that they deliver lines. Not so much the actual delivering of the line, mm-hmm. which is important. Uh, yeah, we said it last week in the way he was talking to Jor-El. It just seemed like. And again, we're talking about a British actor here. Mm-hmm. He's able to like. We never feel yeah. like. Sometimes we forget that he's a British actor, and the way he acts <laughs> yeah. in real life is totally different than he acts as uh, Clark Kent we see in these movies. So um, he's supposed he's, to be playing yeah. the most American 
<laughs> epitome of, of a person <laughs> that you can think of. Yeah. And, I mean, he's doing it really well, especially in all the facial features. And even, even his American uh, character that he makes in this film is totally different than... Uh, he's also in that movie, The Man from Uncle. Oh, yeah, UNCLE. a totally different yeah, American. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so that... Absolutely. That just shows, like, how good he is at just... He's not just like, oh, you want to be an American? Mm-hmm. All right, this is my American act, <laughs> like accent and everything. I'm done. I wonder if he's going to continue with that. I mean, I know that they're... I don't know if they finished filming or if they're wrapping it up or whatever, but he was... I believe he plays an American soldier in... In, in, in like a Netflix a war, show, yeah, in yeah. a Netflix show. So I want, I want to know what that is. Yeah, he I looks know like what, a very like soap McTavish. He type. does, yeah. and like Sandcastles, I think it's called. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. And um, I want to see if he's, you know, I don't know if he's American or if he's British Special Forces or whatever. But if he's American, this is definitely, you know, following. That'd be like a third American. Absolutely. Yeah, that show, yeah, that's hard to do. It. I mean, like you see it in people like, I'm, I'm, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> a person that plays an American, a British well, actor. All of that's Walking playing... Dead is pretty much British yeah, actors. absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, and things like that where it's like you 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 don't really expect it, especially if you're just watching it and and you don't know the 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 actor's background. You exactly. just kind of assume that they're American, but then when you realize that they're they're English, it's like whoa, whoa, hang on, this yeah. guy's playing Superman. <laughs> like isn't Norman Reedus yep. uh, Irish or something? Uh, yeah. He is, he is I know Rick. the actor who plays Rick and then Maggie. Oh, yes. Rick yeah, Rick Hughes and Love Actually and all that stuff. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I've seen that movie. Don't worry. You're like, not alone. I I want to meet this. I mean, I now, this is going back. I just recently watched that movie. Now I'm going to say I need to find someone who hasn't watched that movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that was me a few weeks ago. But, hey, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, I think if you if you, we want to move on, I got a point here where him falling through the mountain. I I love that. Like, you love that it, shot of him. Of, yeah, it's one. It's one of those yeah. things where the CGI has to have weight to it. It definitely looks like this guy that's traveling at you know Mach whatever through the air and now is falling at a massive uh, terminal velocity. He's going through a mountain. It's not like he's just stopping. Yeah, he's a man of steel, and yeah, you know he's. Uh, indomitable I guess but uh, it's it's still it looks like it has weight and it's it's good I I like that he went yeah Yeah. he went clean through that mountain like a hot knife through butter (laughs) (laughs) write that one down Uh, I do like the shot right after he crashes through the mountain where it's a you can I don't know I don't know much about cinematography or camera or camera that but it seems like I could just see every little snowflake on the oh, ground. Oh yeah, it was. It reminded me a lot mm. of um, from Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship when they made that massive, the massive r- ring yeah, the, the giant snow. ring in the snow, so like they could get the close up of it. But like I was trying to think, well, they didn't have <laughs> a giant hand grab, but they grab zoom the in thing. so but well. Yeah, that every little, it's like the like I could see everything in that shot, and it's beautiful. And then. Yeah, even the rocks falling in the, in the background, background. Yeah, they still seem like they have a lot of weight to them, and mm-hmm. they're, they're a nice, subtle touch in the background. So I do enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, it keeps it sort of keeps the scene fluid because they're still rolling in the background, like you said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it, it definitely feels like you know that took place right after he went he crashed. Yeah, there's no break in. Yeah, which I, it's not like he lied in the crater and was just like, "Oh, I gotta, <laughs> what am I doing?" No, it's like he he got he got back up, and that's again a trait from Superman that. We all know and adore that he's, he's like going to get back too. up. I like that he gets out of the crater kind of like 
disappointed or like yeah I'm like man and it's not like uh it's not played at any comedic level like yeah he crashed through a mountain but it was cool how he did and then it was it's kind of i enjoyed well, the shot of, of the hands coming out of the creator first i think is really cool mm-hmm. it's sort of like you know you take one step at a time yeah yeah absolutely like you fall and you get back up, back up. Mm-hmm. yeah of course exactly um, he looks a little discouraged though after he gets up. It's almost like uh, I don't know if it was if it was me, I'd still be gleaming that I got that far and, and got that high in the air. And yeah, I came crashing through a mountain, but it, it almost looks like he's discouraged. And it's not like in a negative way though. It's like a like a look where he's he's focusing. He's still determined to get back up, but he's you know. And and then the Jor-El speech starts to come in, and he's it's almost like he's thinking about it, and he's just you know, wanting yeah. to just keep well, on I going. That, I think that's why he has that look of disappointment because, you know, Jor-El is, he's remembering Jor-El or at least, you know, thinking Jor-El telling him that, you know, he's supposed to give humanity an ideal to strive for. So he's like, you know, he's disappointed because he's like, you know, I can't, I can't uh, be a disappointment. You know, I need to try harder. So, yeah, it's like failure is just not an option for him. And that's, that's yeah, right. a classic Superman trait. But in this version of him you don't really see that that much uh you you do see him like get back up especially later on in the movie when he you know he continues to fight and everything he's not knocked down easily but his determination is a, a big factor in this uh in this version of superman well that just i think that makes superman in general doesn't doesn't it yeah absolutely but in comics you're especially and, and in previous you know movies and stuff like that it's almost like it's expected of him so i like that they added the discouraged look on his face and and the getting back up where you're supposed to expect that he's just going to get back up and try to fly again but they you know they have a few seconds of him looking around and and you know and focusing in on on what the goal is instead of just getting back up and then jumping again you know he didn't start leaping again he 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 went and did it it's 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 good it was that determination that he has yeah well i I think that's the the irony in in these movies is that they're sort of making Superman more human. They're mm-hmm. they're giving him a more human sort of uh, you know, appeal, sort of making it more realistic, you know. It's like and we describe it as being human, but really it's it's more like just being alive, you know. You what we consider, you know, being human is really just a part of life and and experiencing things and, and overcoming, you know, obstacles. And, and, and I think that's the important thing that, that Snyder does with, with Superman in his movies. And, and he sort of makes it more grounded in reality in the sense that, you know, this isn't just some uh, shallow, you know, character that, you know, do good and everything will be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a, a living creature with emotions and feelings and, and he does react to the world around him. And I think that he captures that pretty well in these movies. And I think people overlook that a lot. I agree. In these movies. I agree. Um, especially people that don't, you know, read into the character. Um, the humanization right. was, was very uh, apparent in, in Birthright, which, you know, I think was the main goal of that whole series was just to humanize the character and, and to bring him down and to, you know, s- have the separation between Clark, Cal, and Superman. Um, sure. so, so it's a good wrap up. It's a good... It's a good scene that they're that they're thrown in and putting together with this character in the, all these movies. Yeah, and I think the way that he reacts to this falling is uh, it's reflective of how he, as a character, performs in in the rest of the 
franchise so far with Donna Justice being like a person who will fall, not always physically, but also like in hopes and stuff. And and he's not gonna, you know, the Superman and Donna Justice is not your like, I fell, but I'm just gonna like get right back up and mm-hmm. you know, laugh it off. Like he has to think about what he's doing wrong or like what's going on in the sure. world around him. So like this feels almost like a metaphor for like his progression as a character. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the whole franchise. Absolutely. Um, to the point where maybe at the end of Justice League, it's like him succeeding and flying by the end of this scene. Yeah. So of course it's that quote. The, uh, yeah. And, and perhaps, perhaps by the end of Justice League, we will see that confident Superman that everybody's begging for because he has experienced it all. You know, he's died and come back, you know, yeah. and he's got get garnered the approval of, of the people that he protects. Yeah, like what Mark you you said the the this direct quote from Jor-El that um you know in time they will join you in the sun. I I think you've said that you you want them to at the end of Justice League that that's what you want. Yeah. from this character. And that's what you it want from humanity. Feel, yeah, it, it it has always needed to feel earned. Like we can't just have a Superman in the first film be like you know quintessential Superman um which yeah. We just can't have we can't expect that to just hit us like right away like that's instant gratification that's undeserved yeah absolutely and to see a arc of this character by the end of justice league it's gonna feel more valuable mm-hmm. looking back on it i hope so i, mean, I hope so yeah I, that's what i can hope for yeah absolutely i mean i'm not the biggest fan of a quintessential superman uh rendition but uh, like i think we said last week with with sam that at least we have these two movies that show you know the bad side of of what how humanity sees the character and how they are rejecting him much like how we're getting and I think going to get it into makes sense yeah, yeah absolutely and I think it makes sense because i mean look look at a movie like arrival ironically you know mm-hmm. um it was a great movie people liked it and and it was about basically doubting these aliens uh you know that that came down to earth yeah you know and i don't want to give it too much about that movie but but essentially that's what you know, we're seeing in these movies also is Superman is an alien that came to Earth, so it's natural for people to doubt him. Absolutely. So I, I'm not sure why people, you know, criticize that that fact, and it just makes sense. And and that's what I, I actually mentioned in, you know, in our podcast, uh, is about how it really is, uh, you know, like an alien movie. Mm-hmm. It's sort of capturing that essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe with people being exposed to outside or extraterrestrial life, like there almost needs, like, I think there's no way to avoid people denying it or getting angry about it. And well, it's in our nature. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. Is, we don't like change. We don't like, which is know, why it only makes sense that these films do that. Yeah. So, um, and I, and especially with this one, cause this is this, this movie itself. Yeah. It's the first one of the universe, but it's, it's changing the universe. Like we're supposed to assume that, before this movie was happening, you know, life on Earth was just how we perceive it normally here in, in reality, where, you know, after the arrival of the Superman, everything changes. And I mean, people don't take to that. They hate it. And they don't, I don't think they do yeah, that. Um, because Superman is the first, like, outside power in this universe. But mm-hmm. when you look at the, uh, just using the Marvel franchise, just because um thor is like their first out of world contact yeah uh and they don't seem to to really question that no not at all 
they don't seem to question <laughs> it even after the Avengers film, and it's not until Civil War that they're like, wait, 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 people should probably start questioning this. Yeah, I mean, and, you, you get it a right. little bit when Tony Stark had that breakdown, uh, you know, I think, what was that, Iron Man 3, maybe? When he started freaking out about well, having the PTSD, visions. Of, yeah, 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 and like that's, that you get it a little bit, but on, you know, on a normal humanistic level, like, New York should be in shambles after they just no, it got was. an alien attack. But, like, uh, let's see, like, some kid draws, like, a picture of him fighting aliens and stuff, and it's, like, no one was, like, that that immediate threat of, like, wait, hold on, what happened in New York? Yeah. And like, this should have... I'd be terrified to draw pictures of it. Yeah. Like, this, you don't want that memory and stuff. That's, that's ridiculous. And yet, and yet people praise the Marvel movies about being more realistic. Uh, yeah, it's... Beyond me, I'm not hating on them. You know, it's two different universes. Yeah, they have two different, different you know, right. directors and whatnot. But still, I, I like we said, it's it's trendy to hate the DC films. And if it the roles were reversed, where you know these DC movies came out before the Marvel universe, I'm sure there would be a lot other backlash, like how the DC universe is getting. So I mean, I guess it's just contextual, maybe. Again, it's like what people's, uh, or my opinion about other people's opinions is that <laughs> it's too soon to have an opinion about uh, damning a character that hasn't made a full, prog- like a full arc progression yet. Exactly, because right? we have we have like three Iron Man films and two Avenger films to think of Tony Stark's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they we, just came out one right after the other. Yeah, there was no break. There was no time to digest. There was no time to. To give anybody a sense of, you know, a, a decent opinion. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted, oh, let's have another movie. Oh, let's have another movie. All right, we're getting another movie. And, I mean, they had so many directors and so many people working on different projects that they did line up in a good amount of time. But yeah. these people, like you know, like Snyder and Goyer are taking their time to form this universe. And, and I, I didn't like Captain America in his first film. But now he's one of my more favorite ones in that universe because I've seen Civil War. And like and Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier yeah. like Winter Soldier especially. But you know, I walked in with Winter Soldier, not giving a damn about Captain America. I only wanted to see it to see how it tied to the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And now seeing this centralized Captain America, now I'm like, I'm more on board with him than anyone else. Absolutely. Where I, his first film was probably to me it was the weakest of uh, that first wave. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's Thor. Because his sequels are so much better than yeah. Thor. Yeah, until we get Ragnarok. And not, to criticize, and not to criticize the Marvel movies, but you know the reason that they could churn them out so quickly is that it, you know at their root they are action flicks. They are you know popcorn flicks. Of course. And they don't get incredibly deep like you know the DC Universe movies do. Yeah. And they're you know the DC Universe movies they they touch on real issues you know and they have a lot of underlying themes and you know not to get political or anything uh, i don't want to turn this podcast political but (laughs) what we're seeing how you know seeing how people are you know reacting currently to illegal immigrants i mean it's natural to for them to have this sort of uh you know reaction to superman especially so Mm -hmm. when people doubt the you know how superman is perceived in the movies all they need to do is really look at reality and see that, you know, that that's real. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're dramas. They're not they're not popcorn flicks. They're they're not action movies. Yeah, there's action bits in them. Yeah, there's a cool fight scene at the end, but they're dramas that, you know. And maybe that's why people, you know, like to bash them because they they just want to go to the movies and 
and not pay attention and just have fun. But I personally, I appreciate these movies more because, you know, because of how real they are. Yeah. Well, you're in good company with that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will not disagree whatsoever. I think it's great. Um, Yeah, this is the minute, and I'm glad the whole quote is in the minute. This is probably one of the most iconic lines in the entire film, I would say, arguably, is the Jor-El line where, you will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards, they will race behind you, they will stumble, they will fall, but in time, they will join you in the sun. Yeah, which plays out for the entire universe. I mean, it in plays your opinion. out. Yeah. In my and opinion, this sort of echoes into this sort of echoes into Dawn of Justice with Batman's final words to Diana, or Bruce's final words to Diana, where you know he talks about men and how they will make mistakes, but they will rise up to the the task. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you agree. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, like like I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that this that this line is a callback. I mean, in the, I, but, but then again, I'm not a fan of like uh flashbacks to other movies or previous movies and such like that so i don't really want you know if if at the end of justice league we are supposed to get you know this line that they'll join you in the sun and you know they'll race behind you and all this stuff i don't want jor-el's voice to come through at that point i just kind of want the audience to have to remember that i don't want it shoved down your throat you know what i mean yeah yeah, I, i i get what you're saying yeah, I'm. I am absolutely against hand holding. Yeah, that's the word. Medium, so I <laughs> and totally that, I you. think that's one of, uh, kind of one of the downfalls of this universe is, um, especially with Dawn of Justice, there was like a lot of, like this universe is not going to hold your hand in no. linking this and that and what goes where and like how did like it sets it for you mm-hmm. and like especially Dawn of Justice like you. Through, through like you get more and more out of it than you and it surprises you uh especially things with like like Luther's plan and whatnot things line up in ways that you didn't think about before and i think that's one of the better beauties of the film but for some people it's more of a downfall because they're not handed exposition left and right i don't want to hang out with those people well i think as a i, I think <laughs> i think as a result of that a lot of people maybe didn't understand what was going on and and that's part of why yeah, they didn't yeah. like the movie because I'll tell you what when I go online and I search you know what were Lex's motivations or something like that it's pretty much every link that you click on is like you know I don't understand you know this doesn't make sense and that's why it, I'm glad that there are people like you know you guys and and us that are actually putting that information out there for people to to hear and sort of help absolutely doing the dirty things. work for them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I mean we can just pray that they but, take the extra step to go and listen to your podcast than our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think you know it's it's a sign of, of good art when it can be analyzed like this. Absolutely, it's not like I mean I don't even want to. Uh, yeah, see, uh, like like uh, like you said, people are expecting popcorn films. They're expecting you know a summer blockbuster where they can they just go shut their brain brain off, see something cool, walk out, and go buy the action figure for it. Where it's like, this isn't what this is about, especially this universe. This universe is about storytelling. I mean, you know, the main character, arguably, from, you know, the, the especially in this movie, the viewpoint that the audience is supposed to see is Lois Lane. She's a storyteller. She's telling this entire story. So it's it's what, it's it's a good, you know, 
uh, description for the entire universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> um, that's all I got for this one. What do yeah. you guys? Well, I mean, do you wait? Is this? Yeah. Is this the minute that I I really like this bit? Um, the gravity. He's yeah. He's <laughs> well. He's about to get ready to try again at flying. Yeah. Um, and I really like this shot of him staring at the. I don't know if it's sunrise or sunset. Um, he's staring at the sun and he closes his eyes. He looks at it. It's a beautiful shot and I love it. It's one of, like, if I think about this movie, I think about that scene a lot. Absolutely. That shot a lot. And I like that one. Um, but yes, we do, after that, he does do the amazing, cool Dragon Ball Z type. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the gravel yeah. starts rumbling. It's a, it's a good, it's, it's subtle, but, and a lot of people don't really think to go into it. But it, again, it's, it's how they, you know, the scientific fact of how he flies it's uh he's he's manipulating the gravity field around him you know they touched on it again in birthright where he had auras and that kind of calls to it but it's also he um it's a what is it called gravitons that are that exist in the yeah gravitons exist in in the dcu um in in all of dcu but uh they don't really well i mean name it technically speaking they they suspect they they exist in real life too there you go (laughs) (laughs) but um but you know they they have the similar explanation in Dragon Ball Z too. I mean he's basically creating this gravity field around him, and that's what's letting him, you know, fly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that like, yeah, it looks cool visually. Yeah, there's a call to it, and you know, at the end of the the next movie. But again, it's um it's something that kind of just slips by where it's like, yeah, that looks really awesome that he's doing that. But then you have to think about it like, well, well why are those rocks lifting up? Why is it all spitting around? It's like, well, because he's he's changing the gravity around him which is it's a big deal like if mm-hmm. you had that power yeah you can you know possess the power of flight and everything but that's not like how you know other ancient civilizations saw flight where you were just you know open up your mind's eye to be you know open to the world where they didn't you know have an explanation for gravity where this is just like blatantly in your face like you need to look into this yeah and it's not like they don't explain it exactly it's not like we're here like oh like like watching it minute by minute we've learned that or we've come to the idea that no like they say it like Joro says like, yeah the gravity is weaker, weaker here whatnot, yeah all that we, stuff but then he see the leaping going into flying so we're yeah. seeing him learn to fly like it's subtly explained to us mm-hmm. and i think that's the beauty of it they never said that or Joro never told him that he could manipulate it himself it's almost something that he kind of I think he felt he kind of had to feel it like much like how he had, you know, his, his super senses in the beginning when he was a kid, he had to focus in on it. So I'm sure he had to just shut off everything that's around him and only focus on, you know, his, his, his field around him to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. So, and it helps that he's in the middle, you know, in the middle of nowhere where there's no, no interference or any outside sensory interference. Absolutely. But I did want to add that this is actually a different type of flight than Superboy who uses mm-hmm. um, telekinesis to fly. Absolutely, which is, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because in, you know, way, way, way older in, uh, versions of Superman, there was always that thought, especially when Lex Luthor had that one discussion um, when he was first creating Superboy. Um, they they touched on the telekinetic powers. Um, they didn't touch on, you know, that he is actually, Kryptonian physiology allows him to do this. Um, and then what was it? I, th- I think I mentioned it last week where they had that, first uh story of the superman 
the Superman, which was the the precursor to Clark Kent, um, where he, all he had was telekinetic abilities. You know, he was able to lift up buildings and keep them intact through telekinesis. He was able to to fly through levitation and telekinesis. So it's good. It's it's. I like that you brought up that it's that it's a difference in in the characters. Well, I'm glad I contribute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that how Superboy, is that a staple in Superboy? Is that like he has to always be, have more of a teleconnect, telekinetic, can't speak. Telekinetic. Telekinetic background. Uh, yeah. Um, they kind of drove the fact home more in the later, uh, versions of him. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely because he's, he's both, you know, he, he's only a little bit Kryptonian but a lot of human through Lex Luthor. So there has to be some of those abilities lost in the gene pool somewhere. So, you know, for a long time, Superboy wasn't able to fly. And I believe they, they showed that in the Young Justice yeah, TV Young show Justice, as well. Yeah, Young Justice, he can't fly. Yeah, so... He has to get, like, the uh, those Superman patch, yeah, heroin those... patch or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, he was, he was usually... His powers usually came from telekinetic abilities versus, you know weaker gravity harsher environment that kryptonians mm-hmm. are exposed to yeah he's born in a lab yeah and he's not yeah he's he was born here more importantly mm-hmm. yeah he's a he's a combination of human dna and kryptonian dna lex is Bring dna right young justice <laughs> yeah don't they spin it as lex, yeah <laughs> yeah it's still lex luther it's, hmm, it's always sounds always like wrong. doomsday to me yeah <laughs> yeah there you go so <laughs> oh man um <laughs> Yeah, I, I no, I, I think it's not only is it explained, but it is really cool to visually see the little pebbles and gravel starting to ravel around his fists. And yeah, and it's not like how they showed it, like how we mentioned Dragon Ball Z, whereas you know the, there's massive rocks just getting thrown up into the air when Goku goes Super Saiyan and all that stuff or anything. It's it's the little slight slight uh, addition of like the pebbles and you know the snowflakes that are just floating. It's not like he's it's not like he's lifting those entire mountains because he can. He has to yeah, focus yeah. in. They they do it in, in a nice, subtle way. Yeah. Keyword today. I can't I can't help but feel like if Sam was here, he would point out that, you know, he is instead of focusing on his entire body first, he's localizing it in his fist. Of course. So he starts, you know, because because that there's that line of of Martha Ken telling Clark to make the world smaller. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's sort of u- still using that advice and, you know, starting with his fist and then expanding it to his whole body where he's creating this whole gravitational field around him. So, you know, he's taking baby steps. Absolutely. Yeah. That actually does make a lot of sense because um, to control gravity, I mean, the first thing you talk about control is, is more of like a grabbing, a physical mm-hmm. grabbing onto and it, the shot does start with his his hand, so... It just feels like, almost like he's physically taking a taking control of gravity around him. Yeah, absolutely. And then it just encompasses his whole body, and he's able to fly. Mm-hmm. Is he? I don't know. We haven't got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you guys have anything else about this one? Uh, that's all I got. Listen, I we could probably sit here and talk for days about it, but yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. We've covered the the uh, you know the prominent things. All right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. We can touch on some more things tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Uh, all righty, guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. If you love what you hear, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and do all that jazz. 
can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. And don't forget to check out Alex and Sam's podcast, the Justice League Universe podcast. And we'll catch you guys back tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.